You're listening to the Anesthesia Patient Safety Podcast, the official podcast of the Anesthesia Patient Safety Foundation. We're bringing you the very best from the APSF newsletter and website, as well as the latest information in perioperative patient safety. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the Anesthesia Patient Safety Podcast. My name is Allie Bechtel, and I'm your host. Thank you for joining us for another show. For the past two weeks, we have been talking about the next patient safety movement, sustainable healthcare, with Matthew Meyer and Jonathan McBride. I hope that you have had a chance to check out their letter to the editor in the June 2022 APSF newsletter and have listened to episodes 102 and 103. Before we dive into today's episode, we'd like to recognize GE Healthcare, a major corporate supporter of APSF. GE Healthcare has generously provided unrestricted support to further our vision that no one shall be harmed by anesthesia care. Thank you, GE Healthcare. We wouldn't be able to do all that we do without you. Today, we are back with the exciting part three of my conversation with the authors, Jonathan McBride and Matthew Meyer, of the letter to the editor called Sustainable Healthcare Must Be the Next Patient Safety Movement. To follow along with us, head over to APSF.org and click on the newsletter heading. First one down is the current issue. Then scroll down until you get to the letters to the editor section and click on our featured article today. I will include a link in the show notes as well. We are jumping right back into my conversation with Meyer and McBride. So let's get to it. Are there any recycling options that are viable for some of the anesthesia equipment that we end up using and then discarding? So, so recycling is always a tough one. Um, it's So recycling is like the least of the R's. You know, if you're thinking of the refuse, reuse, recycle, reduce, um, recycle is the least of them because it's really complicated. It's energy intensive and it's not as good as we've been led to believe. So there's there are items out there specifically like this isn't the anesthesia machine the tools, but like blue wrap. Um, the stuff that all the sterile um, instruments come up in, at least in our many of the institutions I've worked in, that's number five polypropylene. That can be bailed and actually sold into the marketplace, and there's value to it. Many of the other items that we try to recycle are complex plastics. And so they just don't, they're complex plastics or they're metal, they don't separate easily. There's concern in the post, um, post-healthcare consumer world that people just don't want to necessarily have post-healthcare plastic in any product that they purchase. So I, I I think when it comes to recycling, we really need our vendors to start designing for the circular economy, start to be very intentional about the design of our instruments, our tools, have them, you know, have them be made of plastic that recycles well, create that system, intentionally know what their next step is going to be. Short of that, I really think we need to do some some soul searching, both from a regulatory perspective as well as just from a use perspective, and think about 
and, and research perspective, when do we really get benefit for single use and when is reusable the better way uh, to both most more sustainable and oftentimes you know a better instrument if it is designed to be used more than once? I think the big one that comes up a lot is the reusable laryngoscopes, something we use every day in the operating room versus the disposable ones. That is, you know, probably like the quintessential example. And, and, and the reason why in the institutions I've worked that we've moved from reusable to disposable is that the, the cleaning process was insufficient or was considered not, it didn't meet the standards. I think we all, I think we clearly want our patients to be safe. We clearly don't want to be contributing to infection, but I think it's very important for us to think this is not a sterile procedure. You know, I am putting, I am putting plastic into someone's mouth. Mouths are not sterile. You know, like what level of cleaning is acceptable, especially if the alternative is to take something with metal and plastic and batteries inside of it, and then throw that away after using it one time. Like that just, I think in many parts of the world, just me making that statement, people would look at me as though I'm crazy. And yet we do that multiple times every day with multiple different instruments and items. I mean, these things have real utility to them and would be valuable, but we dispose of them. That's simply not sustainable. Um, and and I, think it's, I think it's time for us to just refo- refocus our energy on researching where this, the options for sustainability are and where the emphasis for this, you know, sterility should be versus where we might be able to, you know, accept excellent as opposed to perfect. For people who really want to dig into this, the, the two people who have written brilliantly on this in the anesthesia field, it's Dr. Jody Sherman out of Yale and it's Dr. Forbes McGain uh, from Australia. And I always blank on his institution. I apologize, Dr. McGain. But look look up their articles. Dr. McGain just published, it was the cover article in anesthesiology, I want to say December, 2021. And we talk about it a little bit in our article, our, our manuscript in the APSF newsletter. We don't do it justice. He carbon footprinted the total knee replacement and just showed sort of the breadth and amount that each intervention along the way for an anesthesia care provider contributes to the carbon footprint and goes through that. And they do, and this is in a system, and this is the point that needs to be emphasized. That article is in a system that's optimized for sustainability. They've removed nitrous oxide. They've removed desiccant from the calculations. They reuse a lot of things, gowns, the circuits are reused there. And then they go down and they say, even when we've optimized, there's still a broad range of opportunity for the individual um, anesthesia provider to make a difference. And I think that's the best message is that like, there's there like we can do everything we can on the system level, but even still, there's opportunity for the individual to make a big difference. Which is exciting because we can definitely make a difference, which is a great message. Just as a extra practice that is not specific to anesthesia practice, but outside of the hospital, uh, do you have any tips for practicing sustainability in your daily life? Yeah, so so this is a great question. Uh, I could spend we could do a whole another podcast on this, and um, you know whether or not that's important. And I struggle with it all the time, right? You know, how much is this a systemic problem versus how much is this, you know, a carbon footprint individual problem? And I don't think we have time to get into that. But you know, where I've landed on that is, I, I think it, 
it's true that we'd all be a lot better off if we were using less and, and being a little bit more mindful about this, similar to like we're talking about in anesthesiology. So um, yeah, so outside of the hospital, yeah, I think I think there are some things you can do that, you know, the top of the list is often hard for people, but I think flying less is is big. Um, and then, uh, you know, I've I've gone to a plant-based diet. I, you know, you can debate that for a whole another, a third podcast. Um, uh, but I think more importantly than that, I talk about these things a lot. I think, you know, I talk about them with my family, with my friends. Um, I, I call my like friend group a lot more plant curious than they used to be uh, ever since I made this change. I think that's important. Like we're doing with sustainable healthcare, just talk about it. Let people know it is important to you. You don't have to evangelize, just just sort of tell them about it. And, you know, people are generally curious and, and uh, you know, I hope that they're a little bit more informed and, and maybe follow suit. I, I think Jonathan hit the nail on the head there. There's, there's a lot of that. I mean, I, I think personally, I mean, personally, my hobby is, is planting. I love gardening and I love planting native flowers and native trees and really trying to create, you know, a very friendly world outside of my house for plants, for plants, insects, birds, animals. So that's, that's one thing that I think is important. You know, again, we are talking a lot about climate, but there's also a biodiversity crisis that is happening. You know, which is just a product of environmental destruction, and and it's something that we need to pay attention to. But I think I think advocacy and education is really where to be. You know, more people, especially as we think internationally, but even inside the U.S., where this is thought to be a very politically divisive conversation, there's there's really good surveys that like two thirds of the population are concerned about this. You know, and the younger you are, the more concerned you are in the surveys, which makes sense for a problem that's happening in the future. But just get out and let people that you you care about know how you care about this topic. Don't be divisive. You know, people are going to think about everything differently. There's lots of worldviews and many of them are valid. But don't be afraid to put your concerns out there and to try to find common ground because you know, again, when it boils down to it, like this is the, this is the world we live in, and you know we all care for it in our own ways. And so, I think when you find common ground, when you educate, that's where we have where we have opportunity to really you know to move the ball. You mentioned flying less. I'm I'm just curious because I know there's those environmental conferences in healthcare, and are they maintaining the hybrid options like virtual and in person, or have they moved back to all in person? I was at Clean Med 2022 just last week, and it was in Kansas City, which was centrally located intentionally. I actually had a little difficulty getting people to come and speak with me because they were trying to personally reduce their um, personal carbon footprint. Um, two very well-known speakers in the field were interested, but they wanted to participate in it virtually. Um, I think that, again, the real we you know we've got about 10 years to really address this you know whether we go three degrees or one and a half degrees it's, the decision is going to be made in the next 10 years communal work community advocacy is where it's got to be and some of that needs to be done personally and i think there's really something about seeing people every once in a while so yes it completely feels as though there's a touch of irony in that but you know, if we are absolutist about this, we will not get anywhere. You know, we we cannot be entirely dogmatic. We cannot, you know, there there can be nothing that we can't consider, but we need to 
understand where our goals are and you know really focus on on you know reducing to eliminating emissions and reduce i mean i would say just eliminating waste and then reducing garbage disposable things to the best of our ability and you know the path that takes us there is going to be filled with irony and you know and logical fallacy but we're going to get there because we're 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 pushing science we're learning from it along the way Absolutely. And it's the difference between going to this really important conference to talk about something that you're really passionate about and to learn about versus going to traveling every weekend by plane or just prioritizing some, do some conferences virtual because they're maybe they're more academic and you want to sit at home and listen in on Zoom and gain the knowledge that way versus some conferences where it's really important that you're there to meet leaders in the field and make an impact. What do you envision for the future of anesthesia, patient safety, and sustainable healthcare? I would love to see, um, I mean, the APSF is a wonderful foundation, you know, and so, I mean, it's just, it's done so much good for our field that I would love to see um, the members and the organization take up this challenge. I think that I think APSF has, you know, I mean, we, like I said at the beginning, like the safety for patients coming through anesthesia, you know, I can look at someone and say, you know, it was far more dangerous you driving here this morning than it is what I'm going to do for anesthesia. And that's come a lot from the work of many of these people. I mean, Dr. Jeff Cooper clearly is one of the lights and I mentioned him because I, I got, I got the luxury to work with him in some simulations um, during training. The work at the APSF has been wonderful. And I think they're up for another challenge. And this is a challenge. And this is a challenge where you've got anesthesia providers are already leading. And there's a a real opening for for us to lead further and to take this in our field, outside of our field, into health systems, into public health, and really be the champions of this cause. And when I say this cause, this cause is patient health, you know, and and patient health and patient safety are the same thing. We bring healthier patients into our operating rooms, our patient outcomes are going to be better. And and if we have unhealthy environments, if our patients are coming from unhealthy environments, they are going to be far more challenging and have far worse outcomes. So I really think that the, I think the organization is there and I think the mission is similar and and their ability to address complex problems, which we're dealing with, it has been proven. So, I would love to see. Um, I would love to see, you know, this become one of the main um, projects. Yeah, I'll, I'll weigh in just one, you know, one more time with the, the trainee perspective, and, and just say, yeah, like I would, I would love to see residents, you know, calling for for education about this, and similarly setting us up to become those leaders that Dr. Myers, you know, calling for, um, because this is such a huge problem, and and you know, we haven't learned about it. It's like we said, yeah, like one hour of climate change education in medical school is still above average, right? So, I'd like to see this, you know, really become part of uh, the education. And what's next for you in terms of research or projects? Yeah, so um, first, uh, you know, my my first goal is just to like learn how to survive intern year. But once I've got my feet, <laughs> once I've got my feet underneath me, I'm actually really excited. The University of Michigan just launched their green anesthesia initiative. Um, they're calling it Gaia, um, which uh, you know is one of the words for Earth. 
Um, and it's, it's really great. So they have the goal to reduce emissions from anesthetic gas by 80% over the next three years. So there's a lot of energy at this now at the, you know, at the institution I'll be training at. So I've been, you know, talking with the leaders of that, looking for opportunities to get involved. I'd love to see, you know, them advance some of the, the research, some of the questions we still have about that, but also just start implementing a lot of the solutions we already know. So, so my research has taken me to the other side of the drapes right now. And this is really probably at the heart of the problem I saw as a trainee, which is the amount of waste that goes into those garbage cans. And so I'm working on developing technology that can identify items on the scrub table and track their usage. And that's, you know, in an effort to offer feedback to perioperative departments about what needs to be on the table for certain cases and what doesn't. Um, again, focusing on the fact that if we can remove items from the table, we improve the simplicity of the OR table, we reduce costs and we reduce the garbage that we make and the energy that goes into those cases. So it's one of those win-win-win situations. Uh, it is a technological challenge for sure. But I think we're up to it, and I think I think I think technology might be there too. So uh, stay tuned for that one. Wow, both of those projects sound so exciting. That's great. Um, all right, is now is there anything that we did not discuss today on the show that you'd like to share? I mentioned a few of the um, the leaders in the field. I also want to mention a couple of the organizations that people can go to if they want more information on the relationship between healthcare and sustainability. So the national international leader on this is Healthcare Without Harm. That's noharm.org. In terms of advocacy, a lot of state, uh, I'm a member, I'm a, a steering board committee member of the Virginia Clinicians for Climate Action. That's under the parent umbrella of the Medical Society Consortium for Climate and Health. That's medsocietiesforclimatehealth.org. And that is more local and state level advocacy on health-related, climate, environmental health-related issues. The National Academy of Medicine has made a wonderful push for sustainable sustainability in healthcare. They're working on bringing together, um, you know, sort of the, the entire healthcare sector from pharmaceutical companies to suppliers, to GPOs, to health systems, to clinicians. And you can look that up. Their website is really long. I'm not going to repeat it for you. And then... <laughs> Uh, and then there's thanks. Um, and then there's the uh, Office for the Assistant Secretary of Health has created an Office for Climate Change and Health Equity, uh, affectionately known as OCHI. And that is that is um, the federal government's appreciation and uh, work towards bringing resources to the problem of health pro health issues being caused by. Um, health issues being caused by climate change and environmental problems. And then the last little bit that I want to say, and I thought about that as I was saying, Ochi, is that you know, mentioned this once, but you know, we talk about health equity. There is the people that are hurt the most by climate change and environmental problems are generally speaking, the people who have the least to lose. And so these are, these are people who oftentimes don't have as strong a voice as some of, uh, of those others of us in the society might have. And so, you know, it's in some ways a luxury to be able to advocate, but it's also something that like we need to realize that there are that even though we personally may not be being affected by this, there are people who climate change is already a significant part of their life and something that they're paying attention to daily and it's having an impact on them. 
So you know, this is already happening. Um, some of us are are in a lucky enough position to you know be avoiding many of the effects of it. But this is happening. This is likely getting worse, and we have an opportunity in the next few years to make a big difference. We hope you enjoyed our three-part interview series on sustainable healthcare. Thank you so much to Myra McBride for joining us on the show for this interview and sharing their knowledge, passion, and resources in this area. We are looking forward to hearing more about sustainable healthcare in the future. If there is something that you are doing as part of your anesthesia practice to move towards a more sustainable healthcare system, we want to know about it. So tag us on Twitter using the hashtag APSF podcast and go ahead and tag any of your colleagues that are working to make a difference too. If you have any questions or comments from today's show, please email us at podcast at APSF.org. Please keep in mind that the information in this show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical or legal advice. We hope you will visit APSF.org for detailed information and check out the show notes for links to all the topics we discussed today. If you have not done so already, we hope that you will rate us and leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And feel free to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and anyone that you know who is interested in anesthesia patient safety. Until next time, stay vigilant so that no one shall be harmed by anesthesia care.